produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's a big plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. I almost did the did our names first before Intrepid Trio. That would just cause confusion, maybe. I don't know. It, it would have. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I don't know. I, I got I, nothing. I got nothing. I'm going to be a heck of a lot of help this week. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get to the good stuff, check out the website, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Well, that is good stuff, but still. That is the good stuff. Um, and check out uh, our affiliates down the side. You've got Loot Crate, SuperheroStuff.com. You've got um, Ripped Apparel and Redbubble. Apparently, Ripped Apparel has a really great Marvel mashup t-shirt on there. I forgot who the character is, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, but my mind's at that stage like, okay, I, I just, yeah. Um, also, too, check out our Found Me Found me, what is it? Well, lose your keys, lose your mind, lose your tablet, attach one of these to it, Hook. go to your phone, there's an app, you can ring your device, or use the device to ring whatever, you ring your phone, use the use the found me to even take pictures in selfie mode. It's a great little tool, um, but go, the, go to the site foundme.com, F-O-U-N-D-M-I.com, use the code FIELDAGENTS, get 15% off your first purchase, and I'm excited. Excited to say, go to our web store where you can get the jerseys, sweatshirts, hats. Yes, the Captain Marvel jersey's up, but get it in time for Spider-Man Far From Home. The Spider-Man jerseys are up. Spider-Man baseball jersey coming soon. I'm trying to find the perfect template to start working on baseball jerseys. But the Spider-Man hockey jersey is up and ready to go. And it looks great. Get it today. Have it in time for Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> so, how about this? Some of, the, some of the bigger news this week has been Black Widow. We know the movie's coming. But according to Hollywood Reporter, Stranger Things star... David Harbour is joining the cast of Black Widow, um, the which is good because the cast is starting to fill out as we're getting closer to the June production start. And they have also recently added uh, Florence Pug to the call sheet. Uh, I'm not sure who she's playing. 
playing or what she has played. Well, we don't know who any of these people are playing. Aside from Scarlett Johansson, we're pretty sure she's yeah. playing Black Widow. Uh, Pug, Pug starred as an undercover, undercover agent on AMC's miniseries Little Drummer Girl. She also appeared on The Outlaw King with Chris Pine and the much-praised family drama Fighting With My Family. Oh, okay. You talk talk a wrestling movie. Now we're in with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I now I see who she was. She was yeah. She was Paige. Um, She will play a spy on the same level as Romanoff, but her morale opposite. But Harbor is is um, has been cast, and according to the Hollywood Reporter, Marvel could tell you who Harbor is playing, but then they would have to kill you. Okay, not really. The information for Harbor has for Harbor has not been released. But speculation is Taskmaster. Do you remember back when we thought that Grant Ward in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going to be Taskmaster when he went to Hydra? Yeah. Yeah. Those were the days, huh? Those were the days. Well, I mean, the, they were certainly setting setting it up because he was pretty. He 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 was. Well, I mean, he was what they well, a specialist is what the, is that what they called the well, he, yeah. Well, he was at that point. He was almost mimicking everyone's fighting. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was being set up as a red herring yeah. and he bought it, but I think they knew all along he was going to turn rogue. So right. I think he kind of wanted they, the, the show writers wanted someone who was pretty much maze equal. Right. Right. Because they knew. They knew all along there was going to have to come a showdown between May and Ward. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, according and I think May pretty much nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> now, according to I was just wrong. So I knew I could get Kylan with that. I was kind of hoping I'd get both of you. I, I, I just love you. It was just such a throwaway, throwaway line. And that's, that's what made it even funnier. Now we just add Grant Ward to the list of David Duke and Edward Edwards and who looks better under the sheets. Oh, my gosh. See, I think this is where you need to leave the funny throwaway lines to the professionals. <laughs> Well, if they just were, say, if they were, I on, say that as a friend. If, if they were professionals on the show, I would leave it to them. But there's just oh, us. Oh, oh. dang! And, and dang! We, right we, in the fields, and we do a pretty good job on our own. Is <laughs> why it's called amateur hour. There you go. Uh, now, uh, there's also one other variety, one other name. Variety is reporting. Rachel Weiss is king in on a major role in Black Widow as well. Now, I'll tell deal. you, I have I have been crushing on that woman ever since I saw her in The Mummy. Yeah. So I'm so looking forward to this, and I hope it does come through. Would you want to see her as the head of the Red Room? I get to see her on the screen. <laughs> okay, that's a win for you no matter what. It's a win for me no matter what. Um, I'll now, always have Evie. The, the deal's not completed, but talks are heading in that direction. So, um, so now is what is unclear though whether Black Widow is going to be an origin film or if it's going to take place after Endgame. Uh, and it's also unknown who Weiss is going to be playing in the film. Uh, there's a push from fans. There, there's been a push for Black Widow to get her own movie since 2010, 
Um, but with the latest phase of the MCU coming to a close, this is probably the best time to move with that character. Um, and of course, Weiss is coming off probably most one of, off one of her most critically acclaimed roles of her career with her performance in The Favorite, uh, not only winning an Oscar, but also a nod from the Golden, Golden Globes and a win at the BAFTA Awards. I don't think this should be an origin movie. No. No. If you want to have flashbacks in this movie to her origins, especially if she's like, if this is the standard facing your past trope kind of movie. Right. And that that is really kind of what I would like to see. It's kind of like dealing with the after effects of her origins and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather see the flashbacks, sort of like what we got with Captain Marvel. Subplot mm-hmm. is the origin, but it's not the plot yeah because i think most people it with black widow we're past the point of needing an out and out origin movie yeah right it's kind of like the star wars movies we had the original trilogy then george lucas goes oh well it's time we had an origin movie for all this right and let's make three origin movies for all this and it kind of makes it a little jarring right if you're gonna have an origin movie have an origin movie, but have it where the origin movie should go at the beginning. Right. Or, or why, why? I I personally I would love to see the Prague story because she and uh, she and Clint referenced that an awful lot. Just like Budapest all over again. You and I remember Budapest yeah. very differently. Yeah. Yes. You know I would kind of like that. Yeah, I, I would love to see what was it because apparently Budapest was significant to both of them whatever happened there i don't right. know that that's what i would like to see although i'm just happy to be getting a black widow movie so i'm good with whatever we get they, but, then do we do we throw it back slightly to be like uh um like solo in star wars where no. we see budapest hey, put it in as flashbacks okay hmm I mean, put it in as flashbacks. At this point, I don't think we need origin movies for an origin movie for Black Widow. Right. Or for Hawkeye. Yeah. Because they're, they've been around for too long. Right. I mean, Hawkeye's been around since Thor. Black Widow's been around since Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been around since pretty much the the founding of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. True. And that's why you see Captain Marvel premiering a less than two months before Avengers Endgame. Right. Right. Because it would make no sense to put her in Endgame and then show up with her own movie. No. Right. Although that's kind of what they did with Black Panther, and it seemed to work out pretty well with them. True. Very true. So... But anyway, what do I know? I'm just a freaking genius. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what's coming from from uh, the Black Widow stance. But there was other news that had a death lock on the MCU this week as well. Yeah. Um, like that? That was that was that was that was pretty clever. I liked how you brought that in. Does that, uh, does that make up for the bad joke? No, not really. But uh, we'll, we'll let you roll with it. We'll <laughs> for effort. <laughs> So, uh, so Jay August Richards, who plays Deathlock in Agents of Shield, uh, says that he know he knows that uh, Marvel Studios probably has a plan for Deathlock, and so now this uh, Marvel Studios is the movies, Marvel Entertainment is the TV, the TV part. So, right, hold on to that. So now, this is a story that was from ComicBook.com. So last week, a rumor hit the interwebs that Marvel Studios was looking to bring 
Deathlock into the movie fold. Um, however, the character already exists in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we know that for Marvel, everything is connected. So if J.R. August Richards, who plays Deathlock on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, is it safe to say that he's going to portray the same character in uh, on the big ring? Well, th- there's there's a caveat to that. Deathlock is a title, much like Black Panther, Captain America, uh, Captain Marvel, for that matter. Uh, it, it's a title. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it, you know, so the, the, and that's sort of like the big question here with the story. Does it mean that somebody who portrayed the character in the TV side of the, MC, of the MCU, does that mean that, that they're going to portray that character on the big screen. Um, in this in an interview with him, uh, Adam bon, uh, Barnhart of uh, comicbook.com uh, said, well, when you signed on to play Deathlock, were you signed with Marvel Television? Uh, is there anything that says, hey, you're signed on, you're signed on TV, but you might be in the movie? Uh, and so the response was, I didn't even read it. I was given the point. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's been a while since he had a major role in anything, honestly speaking. So you're telling me this contract is for, for a Marvel production? Yeah, I'll sign it. Read exactly. it? No, no, no. It's Marvel. Go ahead. I'll, I'll sign it. He said, I didn't even read it. I was given the bullet points by my agent and manager at the time. I honestly have no idea. Obviously, as I pointed out in the tweet that I sent, there isn't really that much precedent for the actors from television to go to the movies. Uh, obviously, I would really love to do it. But at the same time, I'm really conscious of the fact that in order for Marvel to create that universe that they do in the movies, there must be so much planning and it is so well thought out, right? Uh, for us to get all the way to Endgame and have all those movies fall right into line with what we're about to see this month, I'm very clear on the fact that they're going to do what is best for their creation, and I'm okay with that. But obviously, I love to play the part. But hey, if they introduce a new Deathlock, hey, welcome to the family. We all we we all Deathlock, and that's one. So that's where I am with this. Am with that's where I am with it at this point. So he's good. Uh, apparently, at least what he's saying in the interview is he's good with it. If if he's not, and that this is treated as uh, a, t- a title, a mandal, or you know, so if they bring in somebody else, it's a new Deathlock or is a uh, or another Deathlock. I don't know. I I'm good with it either way. I think it'd be awesome, and it'd be a fantastic precedent to bring in somebody from the television side and have them portray the same character on the on the big screen right if that's is that what's going to happen i don't know just throw a big question mark right there uh, we'll just have to look at and uh, wait and see there have been if i'm reading this correctly eight different people to be a deathlock yeah okay in the comics yeah, yeah sounds right in the comics including Gemma simmons Oh, yeah. And this is in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comic book, Gemma Simmons, based on the the TV character, 
she became the newest Nethlox, though she has actually yet to take the name. She becomes one after getting infected with an unknown substance contained within a quote-unquote targeted DNA bomb that begins to deteriorate her condition, which also placed her in a coma. Mm. With the help of Henry Hayes, who was the previous Deathlock, and Bobby Morse, she is transformed into a Deathlock, which successfully saves her life. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there's tons of precedent for somebody else besides Richards being Deathlock, but... I don't know. If you're going to have an MCU Deathlock, keep Richards. There is there is seriously no reason not to. Right. Exactly. Although, if you think about it, there have been two Deathlocks in the MCU because, oh, Lord, I can't remember his name. Um, oh, I can't even remember the actor's name. Um, oh, um, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, I'm at a loss. The guy who mentored Grant Ward. Yeah, uh, da, 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 um, I forget. I forget the character. Yeah, because he was. No, 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 no. All right, let's see if I can find here. All right, Hydra Agents of Shield. Google food to the rescue. I, I'm kicking myself because I can't. Uh, Garrett. Garrett. Yeah. Yeah. It's Garrett. Yeah. Played by Arg. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Yes, Agent Garrett. That's just him. He was a cyborg. That's right. But you didn't see it until like close to the end of his storyline. Right. He was a, he cuz Deathlock in the in the Agents of Shield storyline was a project. It was Project Deathlock. Mm -hmm. And that's how Garrett has been able to survive because of he basically became the first Deathlock or at least the previous Deathlock. Right. Right. So Richards, I guess, would be technically be the second one, but he's the one that we think of when we hear the word Deathlock. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I mean, he he was the closest to at least the way you, Deathlock looks in the comic because his uh, well, his his face is all kind of yeah. You know, he obviously paid a price to become an, a cyborg, so you know. Yeah, I mean, Richard definitely looks the part, or at least the way they have done him. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Without a doubt, yeah. So, um... So, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah, yeah. So, that's the, pretty much the big stories for the week. Yeah. Then, then there's such a great little <laughs> discussion piece. Okay, so earlier today, I just happened to see this show up in my Facebook feed, and it is from comicbook.com. And it is a list of the 37 worst comic book movies of all time. And they are going by the Metacritic scores. So there is a method to the madness here. This is not totally opinionated piece. Well, I'm sure there are opinions in there. So I want to run this list for you, to, for you guys and for you listeners. And just to see how y'all how you all react to this, and do you agree? You disagree? Now, most of these are going to be Marvel, simply because there's well, there's a ton of them. Uh, not all of them are in MCU. There are a few. So the higher the meta score, or yeah, the higher the meta score, okay. the better. Yes, the higher the meta score. Uh, Metacritic score, the better the movie. So essentially, because I looked at this list briefly, so we're going essentially from from the best of the worst right. to the worst. To the worst of the worst. Okay. So number 37 on this list has the highest Metacritic rating on the list. It stunk the least, in other words. Okay. And that number 37 is Spider-Man 3. Uh, <laughs> okay. See, I, I 
So is saying that stunk the least out uh, of this list? Okay. okay. I, I would definitely, we don't even know what else is on the list. And I'm going to say this needs to go up a lot higher. It's Metacritic score was 59. Number 36 is X-Men The Last Stand from now, 2006. Now, I want to know, how do they get the Metacritic? The Metacritic? Okay, Metacritic score is from Metacritic.com. Right. Okay. Yes. This is a movie site that is very much like Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Okay. Okay. And X-Men The Last Stand had a Metacritic score of 58. Uh, See, I I think that should be a lot lower on the list as well. You think it should be a much worse movie than it is? Yeah. Uh, Well, I put you... I will say... Go ahead. No, I I would say that already, like... I I liked The Last Stand better than I liked Spider Man Three already. I'm just saying. Right. Well, but I, I, I will I, say, I will say I like The Last Stand better than I like Apocalypse. Well, y'all, I just got one thing to say: Kelsey Grammer as the Beast. That was one. That few, was the highlight. That was the highlight of the movie for me. That was one of the few that, things that saved it. Yeah. That was some genius casting. I will I will give you that because it it fit. Because the Beast is basically a blue furry Frasier. Right. Yes. Here's something I I thought of because we were watching at work um, on our breaks. We were watching X-Men First Class, Mm -hmm. which is supposed to be part of the same continuity as the original three films, but a reboot. Ages don't line up. No, they don't. No. No, Because... If you're saying for nineteen for a turn in the century, Phoenix or Jean Grey is supposed to be believable at like her early twenties for when she would actually be in her early thirties. If you go based on X Men, if you go based on Dark Phoenix or even uh, Apocalypse, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it doesn't time right. Okay, all right, we got a lot more to go through, so let's move on. <laughs> Uh, at number 34, now this is a tie. Uh, let's see. Yeah, a two-way tie at 34. Uh, the first one is Thor, the first one. Okay. Uh, it has a Metacritic score of 57. Okay. And tied with it is Iron Man 2, mm. which also has a 57. I, I, I'm okay with that because I actually like to. Okay. Uh, number 33, with a Metacritic score of 56, was Watchmen from the Distinguished Competition. Right. Number 32, also from the Distinguished Competition, was Man of Steel with a 55. Okay. okay. At 30, we have another tie between Thor, the Dark World, and Hulk. Now, Hulk. Both those, now, now, this is not the 2008 movie. This is the one that's got Eric Bana in it. Right. Okay. This, this is the first one, Hulk. The 2008 is the Incredible, Incredible Hulk. Right. I said this is not the this is not the 2008 movie. Okay. Both of these movies have a Metacritic score of 54. Hulk should be a lot further down on the list. Okay. At number 29 is the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. With, no. a, with a 53. Uh, let's see here. At number 27, another tie mm-hmm. between X-Men Apocalypse and Blade 2. Apocalypse should be a lot further down. Yeah, a lot further down. A lot well, further both, down. both of these movies have a Metacritic score of 52. At 26, Batman Forever. Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, and Val Kilmer. Yeah, you know, I I used to really, really, really like that movie because I'm a I, I I'm a big fan of the 
Dick Grayson character. Yeah, Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, and uh, and I like how Chris O'Donnell portrayed him because it was close to how he is in Batman the uh, the animated series. Holy yeah. metal ground, Batman! Yeah. What the ground? It's metal and holy. And I went back and watched it, and that that was a bad mistake because I was like, it's a bad movie. I leave did. it in the past, brother. Leave it in the past. I did yeah. not. I did not mind Jim Carrey's Riddler. I love the Riddler. No. Not his yeah. fault that Schumacher screwed up the script. Exactly. And well, apparently a lot of people agreed with you because it had a Metacritic score of 51. How do you explain how Harvey Dent, played by Billy D. Williams in the first two films, all of a sudden becomes Tommy Lee Jones? I don't even know. Because Tommy Wee Jones was freaking popular. Yep. Yeah. All right. So anyway, number 25 is Constantine uh, from 2005 starring Keanu Reeves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like the, the the rumors about Bill and Ted three being being Bill and Ted going to hell. Well, you know, Ted's I'm, already been. Yeah. But, you know, I'm looking forward to Bill and Ted three. Yeah. Um, Constantine had a Metacritic score of 50 and even 50. Now, this one kind of surprised me at number 23, Blade, the first one. Blade? That was good. This was killer. Why, why, is, why is Blade even on this list? Because it has a Metacritic score of 45. Oh. But, the, but the, here's the thing. We have to remember that the critics, especially at that point, the critics just if it was if it was a superhero movie or sci-fi or whatever, it automatically got like eye rolls from about from at least half of the critics out there anyway, even if it was a good movie, unless it, unless it was Star Trek or Star Wars. Otherwise, anything that was remotely fantasy, yeah. sci-fi, superhero, automatic eye rolls, regardless of the quality. Right. Okay. Next up, we have a three-way tie okay. between Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, mm-hmm. and Superman 3. Really? Okay, yes. Superman, Superman 3 wasn't as bad? What? Wait, wait, wait. Superman 3 with uh, Richard Pryor, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, I will say one line I disagree out of this group, uh, out of the comments to this is no Fantastic Four movie has been, well, fantastic, but this one is still the best of the bunch. I disagree. Uh, I got. No. They're, they're I only counting I got four words. I only got four words. Galactus is a cloud. No. That's why it's not the first Fantastic Four, I think, was better than this one. Okay. Well, all right. Anyway, those three movies have a 44 on Metacritic. Uh, Another tie at 19. Supergirl from 1984. Yeah, okay. which you know, Ellis Slater made a pretty good-looking Supergirl, but still, yeah. And uh, tied with Supergirl is Daredevil, the Af- Ben Affleck one. That <laughs> needed way further up the uh, uh, up that um, because that movie, I walked out of that movie mad. I wanted money back. Who wrote Who wrote uh, Daredevil? I have no earthly idea. There may not be too many people that would admit to it because it's got a Metacritic of 42. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it the one bright spot in this to me was Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, let's see. At 16, we have another three-way tie. 
All three of these movies have a Metacritic score of 40. Okay. They are Suicide Squad. A movie okay. that did not know how to end. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, with a very messed up version of Deadpool. And a horrible gambit. Oh, I am not trying to talk about that. And Fantastic Four from 2005. Featuring Chris Evans as the Human Torch. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, okay, that's fair. And the one line... And, and, there's this one line underneath the Fantastic Four's entry says, arguably, the best thing you can say about this film is that it's not as bad as the 2015 reboot. See, I would say that about Silver Surfer because I put this one higher than Silver Surfer. Oh, I agree. At number 15 is Green Lantern with a 39. In which, <laughs> in which Deadpool did a, a single tap to the back yep. of Ryan Reynolds' head because of it. Yep. Uh, Blame the script, that, not the actor. N- did I mention it had a 39 Metacritic? Blame the script, well, not at, the actor. <laughs> yeah. At number 14, with a Metacritic score of 38, is Blade Trinity. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I liked Trinity. I would go Blade, then Trinity, then Blade 2, if I had to rank the three. Uh, you know what? I, I would go in order. One, two, and three. But I also, but it's, but see, the thing is to me, it's all apples and oranges because really they're three completely different movies. One movie is straight, one movie is straight up action. But okay, Blade, Blade itself is action horror. Blade 2 borders on being almost straight up horror based on how they portrayed the vampires in that one. Blade 3, Blade Trinity, to me, was basically just straight up action. That happen to have vampires, in. but all three were good, in my opinion. Yeah, see, with three, we get Hannibal King. We do. Okay, uh, speaking of one, two, and three, we've got another three-way tie coming up here at eleven. All right, and one of these three, I call shenanigans because I don't think it should be on this list at all because it's not a superhero. I don't see it as a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Red Sonja. That is not a superhero movie. From 1985, yeah. Bridget Nielsen and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as a Hey, I'm Not Conan, Conan. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, tied with Red Sonja is the 2007 Ghost Rider. Uh, I got one more rod in me. And Venom. Okay. Venom. To be fair, I have not seen Venom yet. Okay. Uh, Ty Burr from the Boston Globe calls it, quote, a mismatch, mismatch where whose touch saps the life force of almost everyone in it. How much movie? How much money did that movie make? Uh, I don't know. It's got an 81 percent audience score at Rotten Tomatoes and a five and a four point three star rating on Amazon. (sighs) So so all three of those movies have a thirty five. And well, again, why is Red Sonja on this list? Uh, It shouldn't even be on the list. It, It doesn't belong there. It's a fantasy movie, not a superhero movie. We have a two-way tie at number nine with Elektra and oh. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, okay, that's fair. Both of those have a 34. Okay, uh, uh, those may be in the right spot. Oh, uh, by the way, guys, the budget on um, Venom was 100 to $116 million. Box office eight hundred fifty-five million. Yeah, it was a surprise hit, but everyone, but very critically panned. Yeah, yeah critics. Hey, yeah, okay. <clears throat> uh, at number seven is Jonah Hex from twenty ten. Yeah, 
apparently Josh Brolin did a good job, but just the rest of the movie stunk. But hey, Orlando Sentinel's Roger Moore praised Brolin's acting, but expressed frustration over how horrible the movie he he was starring in was. And I remember Roger Moore appearing on uh, one of the local talk shows criticizing this movie. This is not... The Bond actor, Roger no, Moore. No. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, it's not the Bond or Bond Moore. Uh, tied with Jonah Hex with a 33 Metacritic score is The Punisher from 2004. See, the one that stars Ch- Thomas Jane. See, that was kind of decent. I don't think that one needs to be that far down. It doesn't. It had a it had a Metacritic score of 33. Yeah, so. I, okay, I disagree with that. But Okay, do you agree with number six being Punisher Warzone? Uh, no, because neither one of the Punisher movies were actually that bad. I just didn't understand the, why they had to, uh, re- what the deal was for them to recast. Mm. Well, I, I see. Okay, I, I had no problem with the recast, with the recasting. I get that they were trying to get a little more gritty, uh, no, a grittier feel than what they got with uh, Thomas Jane's Punisher. But that still didn't make it a bad movie per se. It, it's just, I don't know. I, maybe maybe it was, I, I, I'll just say I disagree with it because I, I, don't, I don't get their criteria. I really don't. Okay. Now, Mike, brace yourself because I don't know what you're going to find most upsetting about this next two-way tie. Mm-hmm. The fact that one of these two movies is Howard the Duck with a Metacritic score of 28 or the fact that it's tied with Batman and Robin. OK, one, it should be higher on the list, like up around that up in the 30s Two, mm-hmm. what? OK, uh-huh. OK, OK, OK. Let me compose myself here for a second. <laughs> see, see, I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. <laughs> Uh, Howard the Duck has been tied with George Clooney Batman. Oh, that is a straight up this. I'm just saying it's tied with Batman and Robin. And I just want to know the Metacritic score of 28. Who the thought that was a idea to compare Howard the Duck to Schumacher's worst Batman creation? That was the one that killed the series, dude. Batman and Robin, come on! Yeah, what the? That that was the one with Poison Ivy and Mister Freeze. Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman is uh, Poison Ivy. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mister Freeze. Wait, wasn't there another one? Was there another bad guy in that one? I can't remember. Oh, Vin. Oh, there was that girl. Bane. Oh, yeah. Bane. 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 It had Bane. Yeah. Yeah. And they had Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, I will take Leia Thompson over Alicia Silverstone any day of the week. And at least Howard the Duck didn't have on the bat suit. Y'all, we apologize <laughs> for the bleeping tirade that has come from Mr. Michael M. <laughs> I have just ruined. It's almost like I've kicked his puppy by reading this part off. You, you don't know that you don't diss Howard the Duck, and, and we, and it, at least in in my tenure on this show, it, that has never happened. It it holds a special place in in your heart, and we all respect it. Considering I'm I'm just south of the of the city that that great movie was filmed in. 
to to hear the critics uh, malign this movie the way they did, I I think it's a shame, and I I. I stand with you, Mike, on you, this. You, too. you you might as well be saying at this point in time that Disney has approved Channing Tatum as Gambit, all right? <laughs> and then you might as well go ahead and tell me that now that we got the Fox license properties back, you're bringing back the <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> At this point in time, I've only got one thing to say. Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra! You, you do understand that, ba- uh, that as of this, after this merger, they do have pretty much all the characters to actually introduce the legit version of the Illuminati. Well, okay, everybody except Peter Parker, but we have a we have an arrangement. So they could actually include Peter Parker as well. I'm just thinking with all these bleeps and and bleeps and bleeps and bleeps. Yeah. Y'all y'all it's been a, it's been a pleasure working with y'all and I'm sorry that this uh this podcast has come to an abrupt and bleeping end, but uh but anyway, Marvel can go. <laughs> Moving on. Good to go. If they bring out Illuminati, <laughs> I will okay. call. I will call Illumin. I don't care how much money it makes. I will call Illuminati the worst Marvel film ever. Uh, uh, saying that the 2015 Fantastic Flop is a much better film. Uh, it's funny you should mention the Fantastic <laughs> Flop movie finally because it is part of a tie for second on this list a tie for second which movie is yes. this fantastic flop or the that one the 2015 fantastic 4 which cleaned up at the 2015 golden raspberry awards and my favorite quote about this movie is, quote, Fantastic Four is so mediocre that its title seems like a violation of truth and advertising laws. Oh. With a Metacritic score of 27. And as as credible as it may seem, it has a tie. No. From 2004, Catwoman with Halle Berry. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's almost on the rise. Yeah, I could put those two in the right spots. Okay. okay. And topping off the list, uh-huh, or bottoming out, shall we say? Uh-huh. With a metacritic score of 24, uh-huh, Superman 4: The Quest for Peace. Yes, okay, I totally agree. That movie it, it was not I don't even know if I even could say what I want to say, but it was not good. Okay. It now- was not good. The Washington Post, Dessen Thompson called it, quote, more sluggish than a funeral barge, cheaper than a sale at Kmart. Dang. Now, just to, what have we used as our, as it's besides the fantastic flop, what's been our other benchmark score, like from Rotten Tomatoes to judge how bad a movie is? Let's say Jim and the Holograms. Oh, well, yeah. Which only lasted in the theater for two weeks before it got pulled by the movie studio. True. It has a Metacritic score of 42. So Superman 4 had half of the Metacritic score as Jim and the Holograms. Yep. So I'm going back through this list. And so we, you're looking at 42. 42, I'm at 42. Right? Okay. I'm scrolling back up the list to find 42. We are... 
Supergirl and Daredevil. Yeah. Is at that benchmark. So we're talking tied at 19. Mm-hmm. So that means that everything worse on this list, higher up number on this list, that Daredevil and Supergirl, Suicide Squad, X-Men Origins Wolverine, Fantastic Four, Green Lantern, Blade Trinity, Red Sonja, Ghost Rider, Venom, Elektra, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, Jonah Hex, The Punisher, uh, Punisher Warzone, Howard the Duck, uh, Batman and Robin, Fantastic Four, the other one, Catwoman, and Superman 4, all worse than Gem and the Holograms. No. So, so you're telling me, you're telling me that, that, I, I, I can't even, um. I cannot put, I, 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 I can Blade and Blade Trinity, I cannot put below Jim and the Holograms. And, and me personally, a film that Walmart called one of the best of the 80s with Howard the Duck. And I have the picture to prove it. And if I need to, I will go back and I will put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, put it on Instagram as proof. Because Walmart said so, that, that, that they're saying Jim and the Holograms is better than Howard the Duck. A movie that only lasted two weeks in the theater. Well, and, and, they're, they're, and they actually like, they like Thor the Dark World more than they liked Thor. Thor the Dark World. Horrible. Oh, I totally agree. Or a uh, bull. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Was was X Men Days of Future Past on that list? No, no. I, I see. Mm-hmm. Day, days of Future Past, Present, Future. Who cares? That move. Mm, I okay. I'm not. Okay. Did, refresh my memory. Was a pocket? Was a pocket flop? Yeah, a pocket flop was on this. Yeah, but a pocket flop. Has a higher score by ten over Jim and the Holograms, our bench, our other benchmark. Yeah, it had a fifty-two. Apocalypse should have been like maybe around, you know, I don't know, twenty, uh, twenty-three. You know, they should have been around like you know the, the Metacritic score around twenty-three. That's where it should have been because that move anyway. I don't remember seeing Justice League on here. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. And I think that's because Jason Momoa was in it. So? And Gal Gadot. So, I'll counter with it had Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Jesse Eisenberg. The Amazing Spider-Man wasn't in here. Mm, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Not the first one. No. Uh, Let's see. What other superhero films could have been mentioned? Oh, The Dark Knight Rises. Hi, I'm Bane, and I sound like Sean Connery. Uh, I think we have an issue title for for this week. The night we broke Mike. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I will. I've never seen Mike. So uh, you call it Mike drop (laughs) (laughs) is in fuego right now. That's why. Yeah. The the widow maker. Mike drop. So that is the list. As if you couldn't figure this out already. And those are our reactions to it. Uh, There are some movies I would not have on this list. There are some movies that aren't on this list that I would have. Yeah. But I don't think anything I say about this list is going to compare to the bleep, bleep, bleepity, bleep, 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 bleep that we got from Howard the Duck. That, that was worth the price of admission and popcorn. And this was free. Howard the Duck, that low on the list. Is he singing the (laughs) (laughs) 
Tell us how you really feel, Mike. No, no, don't. <laughs> don't, because we want people to keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my and, word. And this episode will be brought up for award nomination. <laughs> oh, mercy me. In, in, in so, case, okay. In case y'all didn't get it. <laughs> and we apologize to everyone who actually had their volume turned up before the bleeping started. <laughs> and we hope that your hearing does come back eventually in time for next week's episode. Excuse me, issue, because clearly Mike demonstrated that we have issues. Oh, we got issues. All right. And uh, for those of you who can read Morse code, uh, we apologize for that, too. There yeah. was no Morse code in that. Sorry. I don't know. That that that, that was pretty close to Morse code, I thought. I don't uh, know. Captain America would not have approved of that Morse code. I'm just no. saying. Hey, I'm just telling you, I'm right there with my pal R2-D2, who was also constantly swearing in Star Wars. Hence why he was beat. R- R2 was, like, all the time. I was surprised. Especially once you get older and you kind of can figure out what the beeps are saying. Yeah. Okay, it's a totally different beat. Well, yes. on that note, it is time for the picks of the week. Yay. So, Eric, why don't you start us off? Okay. Uh, my first pick of the week is Marvel Tales Thanos number one uh, by Jim Starlin and Jen Bartell. Uh, the most ruthless villain in the Marvel Universe takes center stage as we celebrate the 80th anniversary of the House of Ideas with the era-spinning Marvel Tales. This anthology series shines a spotlight on fan-favorite characters, features timeless stories, and highlights some of Marvel's most impressive talent from the past eight decades. And for Thanos, it can only be the cosmic maestro, Jim Starlin. Reprinting the classic tale, written and drawn by Starlin, that first revealed Thanos' stunning connection to the deadliest woman in the galaxy, Gamora, from Warlock number 10. Another Starlin-scripted epic pits the Mad Titan against one of the MU's greatest evils, the devilish Mephisto in Silver Surfer number 45. And Gamora gets the chance to unleash her full fury on her twisted father figure in Warlock in the Infinity Watch number 8. Okay. Uh, Kylan, your first pick of the week. My first pick of the week is Symbiote Spider-Man, number one, brought to us by Peter David and Greg Land. Uh, everybody knows that Spider-Man's infamous black suit would someday become the wicked web we called Venom. But what happened before Peter Parker discovered the black suit sinister, sinister secret? Find out in this dynamic tale from the comics legends Peter David and Greg Land. Set during the original Black Suit Saga, this is an all-new tale that pits the wall-crawling wonder, wall-crawling wonder ugh, against that most mystifying of menaces, Mysterio. Okay, well, my first pick of the week is True Believers Avengers Ronin number one. And it's a reprinting of New Avengers number 30. That's it. Mm-hmm. So back over to you, Eric. Okay, my second pick of the week is War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number one of five by Clint McElroy, Andre Arujo, and Marco Jurdovic. I'm probably mutilating all three of those names, except for Clint McElroy. I, I think I pretty much got his down. The creators of the blockbuster podcast, The Adventure Zone, bring their talents to Marvel for a wild romp through the War of the Realms. 
Earth is at war, besieged by an army of frost giants, trolls, and fire goblins. And the mighty Thor is nowhere to be found. But could it be that the key to turning the tide is Thor's baby sister? Journey into mystery with Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, Wonder Man, and Baldur the Brave as they go on an epic quest to save Earth's only hope. And, yes, deal with diaper duty. No? <laughs> How fun would it be for the creators of Mighty Marvel Geeks to do a S.H.I.E.L.D. comic issue? Or maybe, I think I could... or maybe even a five-part five where we all co- where the three of us co-write a script. You know what? I, I I would I'd be down for that. You know, like I think we need our own series. Ooh, see, this is how we work our way into work ourselves into it. I mean, I technically I think we already were already were in it, in it when uh, the when um, Mighty Mart well Mighty Marvel Geeks Agents of Shield uh, did their tribute to the Hell of Us. I'm just saying yeah. that's why I'm on it. But I'm putting in a request that John Tyler Christopher be our cover artist for the series. Well, of course. So, well, Kylan, your second pick of the week. My second pick of the week is Captain Marvel number four, brought to us by Kelly Thompson, Carmen Nunez Carnero, Amanda Connor, and Paul Mounts. The knockdown drag out fight you can't miss. Nuclear Man reveals his secret weapon, the X-Man Rogue. It's been years since Rogue stole Carol's powers and memories in a fight that changed Carol forever. Though Carol and Rogue have become somewhat uneasy allies in the years since, a wound like that never fully heals. And now, isolated from her allies and facing her worst nightmare, how far will Carol go to stop history from repeating itself? Okay, well, I'm going to make it up to you guys. My second pick of the week is Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 43, War of the Realms tie-in. You know how Squirrel Girl has stayed out of most of the Marvel events? Turns out that that was only because those events didn't involve her good pal, Loki Lafferson. Lafferson. When Earth is attacked as part of War of the Realms, Squirrel Girl is called back from the negatives, from her negative zone vacation, and Loki recruits her as part of a secret mission. Is Loki running a scheme? Probably. Is he playing a trick? Almost certainly. But he never lies about the safety of his good friend and Cat Thor creator, Nancy Whitehead. And that puts him and Doreen on the same side. Is Squirrel Girl's big event crossover but it's still a start of a standalone epic that could still that you could still enjoy even if you only read squirrel girl also if you're reading this because you're thinking hmm big into war of the realms but do i really need to see what happens in squirrel girl then let me say wow do you ever there's a big reveal on the last page that's been in the works for years and i'm just gonna say be afraid be very afraid (laughs) so back to eric Final pick of the week. Final pick of the week. Final regular pick of the week for me is Savage Sword of Conan number four by Jerry Duggan, Ron Garney, and Alex Ross. The battle for Stygia. Conan descends into a hidden labyrinth protected by an undead army and does battle with the forces of Kokathun. At stake, the fate of Stygia. Conan's friend Sudi begins a shocking transformation as he discovers what Menes has been hiding about the mysterious treasure they've been hunting. Plus, the next chapter in the all-new Conan novella, The Shadow of Vengeance, begun in issue number one of Savage Sword. Okay. Uh, Kylan, your final pick of the week. My final pick is Invaders number four, brought to us by Chip Zdarsky, 
Carlos Magno, and Butch Geis. Everything you know about the King of Atlantis is wrong. This issue, the secret history of Namor. Okay. There you go. Well, my final pick of the week is Star Wars Age of the Republic, Grand Moff Tarkin number one. The soul of the Death Star, the Empire has built the deadliest weapon the galaxy has ever seen. But the most ruthless Imperial officer might hesitate before unleashing the Death Star's power to kill millions in an instant. Behold the secret story of Grand Moff Tarkin. The horrors that hammered and honed his resolve and the terrifying steps that he takes to ensure that the Death Star lives up to its deadly name. I have been so digging these Age of Star Wars one-offs. Right. They are so awesome. And we have finished the Age of the Republic and we're now in the Age of the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess we're now down to Eric with his MU pick of the week. Well, my MMU pick of the week, I do love, as uh, longtime listeners to this podcast will know, I do love tying in my MMU pick to a story that we've done earlier in the show. And this week is no different. Yes, Howard the Duck. You've picked that one already. But there's many issues to pick from Howard the Duck. Yep, there's also this one. It Howard is the a, Duck, you right? <laughs> sure. It's just Howard doesn't appear in this. <laughs> That's why I was waiting for that. <laughs> now, this week, the MU pick is Astonishing Tales, Volume 1, number 25, from August 1974, uh, featuring the very first appearance of Deathlock. Oh. Uh, written by Rich Buckler and Doug Mensch, uh, penciled by Rich Buckler, who also did some of the inks in the book, and did the cover art for this issue. And basically, he was kind of like the creator of Deathlock. Mm-hmm. And the very first comic book convention that I went to was when I was working up in Detroit. And he was one of the special guests of the convention. And he basically stayed in our booth most of the time. Oh, sweet. Oh, cool. So it, this was kind of like I just – this is like where you – if you're going to a concert and you just listen to like a uh, – you know, somebody uh, – um, what's, what's the word for – you know, a master of their instrument, uh, virtuoso. That's the name. He was he was very much you know the, a penciling god, shall we say? Because he would go up, he would you know sit down, and say yo, hey, I'm doing con sketches, and somebody would come up and go. Did okay, you, you now, lost me. Okay. We lost you for a second. Okay, where was I? Right when he said, right, right, we we lost right when he said, and he says. And then, okay, guy would come up and say, give me, you know, draw me Wolverine fighting spawn. He wouldn't look, he wouldn't pull out any pictures or any reference materials. He would just sit there and just start sketching. And I would watch him as he do it. It's kind of like within 15 minutes, boom, there it is. Wow. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And this was not long after Jack Kirby died. So we were like sharing, he was sharing his Jack Kirby stories with me. And it's kind of like, oh, that is just awesome. So, yeah, this is kind of a double thing for me this week because, yes, it ties into a story that we did earlier and also it's got a personal connection for me. Nice. Well, that's going to kind of bring us to a close. (laughs) Any final thoughts? Uh, Oh, by the way, uh, congratulations to Captain Marvel for, uh, as Marvel puts it, soaring past the $1 billion mark worldwide. 
it, of course, it, that's- it, it it cleared it by less than five million. I don't know wow. that I personally say it's soaring past, but hey, beating a billion is nothing to sneeze at, regardless. True, it did it. It did it in less than a month because it was released on the eighth of uh, on the eighth of March, yeah. and we're recording on the fourth of April. Yeah, I mean that's that's good. That's good performance, no matter how you slice it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's one of the faster films to break a billion. There's yeah. Well, it's. There's not that many, though. This is primarily due to its to overseas markets. Right. I mean, over 60% of its uh, box office has come from overseas. Right. Wow. But, I mean, domestically, to do well for one country in that yeah. domestic number. Yeah. And still to take That's still records there, too. Yeah. Much. Yeah. Right. So this is according to boxofficemojo.com. So, but congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations to everybody who worked on that. Oh, yeah. Very including so. Goose. As, as Zoe says, the flirting. Mm-hmm. She loves to Goose, the true star of the movie. Yes. It's, and if you haven't seen the film, go in with an open mind. Don't look at it with any type of agenda. Because if you go in with any type of agenda, you're going to be disappointed. Just true. flat out. It, 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 it's an awesome movie. It's it, it, it's powerful and it's fun at the same time. And it's cool to finally see uh, who is one of the most powerful Marvel characters on on big screen and to see the way that they portray that power. Yes. You know, because, you know, I I wish I could, like, you know, send energy blasts out of my hands. But, you know, no big deal. And the squirrels look cool, too. Just saying. Yeah, I got to say it. I send energy blasts, but it's not out my hands, and it's not that type of energy blast. Oh, my gosh. I, I, wow. Okay, yeah, I I get it. That joke was a stinker. Oh, Oh, my goodness. I think that gets a lower Metacritic score than Superman 4. Uh, hey, I, I'll, I'll take that, and I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, that is bad. Because Howard the Duck is still higher than that joke, <laughs> no matter how you look at it. Don't we have a show to end out? We do. Um, since Jarvis, I think at this point, it's, a, it's an act of mercy at this point. Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? No, just time to go dark. This was horrible. And I was waiting to see where the underappreciated Howard the Duck was put. Now it's my mission to get someone from the movie on the show. You think Fury's hiding something? He's a spy. Captain, he's the spy. His secrets have secrets. 